So Les, share with us a little bit about the IFCA, what, well, what you're all about. You've given your life now almost 20 years to the leadership of this organization. Thank you for your friendship. Thank you for your faithful example in ministry. Share a word and then open God's word and, and encourage us. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Pastor Van. Well, um, I first met him back in uh, 1987 at an IFCA convention for the young people. We have two different conventions, one for adults and one for the uh, youth. And uh, I was a speaker in 1987. I met Pastor Van and Janet then. And then uh, I came back and spoke again in 1990 out uh, at uh, when the convention was in uh, the Master's College out in California. And so uh, I've known Pastor Van for a long time, 28 years. And uh, I'm really grateful for what God has done through him. And uh, uh, it's just a great blessing for me. Um, I, as he said, I oversee a fellowship of churches and pastors. And uh, there's 2,000 churches and pastors who are part of IFCA International. Our headquarters are in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And um, we have, uh, we were founded in 1930, so 85 years of history. Uh, we're in 27 countries around the world, and we have, we have more than the 2,000 churches and pastors here in the U.S. We have more than that all, all around the world. Uh, we just, uh, you know, we, it's hard to keep track of them overseas. And uh, we have pastors and churches. We have five uh, Bible colleges and seminaries. We have 13 mission boards reaching the, gospel, reaching the world with the gospel. Uh, we have uh, 32 districts we call regionals all around this country here in the U.S. And uh, uh, we have, as I said, the conventions, uh, both youth and adult conventions. Uh, a great advantage or part of being part of IFCA, you're not alone. You're not here in the woods here in West Virginia, you're part of something bigger, and especially uh, where it helps is in representation of governmental issues. You know, that's becoming a bigger issue here. Uh, churches that are all alone, uh, they are, uh, well, I don't know what to say uh, for the churches that, that are just unaffiliated. It's, it's not an easy day uh, to be all alone on a little island of your own. Uh, we have, uh, we put out publications. I'm an editor of a magazine. We put out six times a year uh, called Voice Magazine. I have a number of them out in the foyer. And then uh, my wife oversees a ministry, about 850 uh, widows and widowers. Uh, the Kara Fellowship, Kara is the Greek word, uh, New Testament Greek word for widow. So we have a ministry to widows. Uh, through that ministry, we have 75 military chaplains. Uh, in all branches of the military, doing the same things that Pastor Van does, only in the military. Uh, then we have, uh, we have over 100, mis- uh, 100 pastors, or I should say chaplains, who work in prisons and hospitals and uh, other institutions, as well as with police and fire. So um, we have all kinds of ministries, but probably the thing that I've appreciated the most through the years is that uh, when I was in, when I got a part and became part of IFCA, um, I, was, I was able to identify with something bigger than myself. Um, I started as a church planter out in Utah near the city of Ogden in Roy Bible Church. Uh, our first Sunday, Miriam and I went there with our twins. So the four of us went there, there were eight people. 
So our church grew 50% in one Sunday. Um, and then uh, we got up to 12, and then we hit 20, and then we got to 30, and we stayed 30, 30, 30. We were at 30 for five years, and it was hard, and those five years were very difficult. The Mormons said, you look like one of us. We like you. And then I talked, and they say, you don't sound like one of us. We don't like you. And uh, so the, you know, it was hard ministry, and the, um, we finally got to, we got when we left, there were like 200 people there, and that was wonderful, but um, it was hard those years. And I used to say when we were at 30 people, I used to say, you know, one of my classmates um, in the IFCA named Mark Johnson, um, he's, he was pastoring a big church in, in Michigan, then he came out here to West Virginia, Martinsburg, and I said, well, he's doing great, I'm part of that. And John MacArthur, he's doing even greater, and I'm part of that. And, and I said, here we are, our 30, but we're part of something bigger. And that was a great blessing for me. So we can be identified with something bigger than ourselves. So there's more information there in the back on IFCA, so you can kind of see. Uh, I, I believe the local church is absolutely important, and it's crucial. Um, you know, I've talked to people, they actually have said this to me. They said, you know... Um, I really love Jesus. I just don't like the local church. I just don't like the local church. Um, they'll, they'll say, actually, uh, through my iPad or my iPhone, uh, through my laptop, um, I, I can connect with all kinds of Christians, and, and that's good enough for me. And then on Sundays, we can go to a coffee shop, my friends, and we can just sip coffee and have a nice time together and just talk about important things, theology and stuff like that. And uh, they'll say, what's really so important about the local church? I said, well, Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I will build the church. I, I know that word is ecclesia, which means the called out ones. And it's, it has reference to the universal body of Christ. But I do believe the expression of the, the universal body of Christ is the local church. And, and if you think, well, the only thing that matters is we're part of the larger body of Christ and local churches don't matter. All they do is fight. Say, so, listen. In the book of Acts, we observe that they did evangelize. And after the evangelism was, was done and they were evangelizing, winning people to Christ, they organized them in the local churches. And then they, uh, we observe in the book of Acts functioning of local churches. And then you see that 10 out of 27 New Testament books were addressed specifically to local churches. Local churches are important. Three of the uh, most crucial uh, passages or, or books in the New Testament talking about the local church. First Timothy, Second Timothy, and Titus, called the pastoral epistles. They talk about how churches should function, how to select leaders, what to look for in leaders, how they should function, the importance of the Bible in the church, and uh, the qualities of a sound church, and uh, the need for corporate prayer together, praying in the church, and the care for widows in the church. And some people will say the last words that Jesus Christ said were the Great Commission, and that's what we should be all about. And I'd like to say, well, yes, the Great Commission is important, and yes, those are words of Jesus. But Jesus had other words to speak in the Bible, in the New Testament, and it was found the last recorded words of Christ are in the book of Revelation, chapters 2 and 3. He told the Apostle John specifically, write these words and send them to the churches. Ephesus, Laodicea, Smyrna, and Thyatira, and Pergamum, and seven churches, local churches. Those are the last recorded words of Christ. 
And when we see that, we say, wow, the local church is important. And so um, that's what we're doing today. So I'm so thankful to be part of this today as we celebrate God's blessing for 25 years here at Fellowship Bible Church. Um, As you turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, turn to chapter 3, Philippians chapter 3. In junior high and senior high football, I used to be a receiver. I was a tight end. And uh, it was kind of tricky at times. Let's pretend that Van's the quarterback. And, you know, um, actually like this, I'd be lined up like this. And as a tight end, you do a lot of blocking. But then you do get a chance for a little glory sometimes because you get to run out for a pass. So I'd run out for a pass and Van's my quarterback and I'm looking and I'm looking at him and there he is getting ready to throw. He remembers this from the first sermon. First, first sermon, he wasn't even paying attention. I'm talking, I'm saying his name. I said, Van, I'm open, I'm open, man. <laughs> and I did, I said that. So I was so good I had to repeat it. Uh, anyway, what you do in football is you're running forward as fast as you can, but you're looking back. And that's an important skill. You have to be able to look back, but run forward. Look back and go forward. See, that's what we're doing today. We're looking back on 24 years so that we can move ahead. Now, uh, we're going to look at this passage where we're looking back to move ahead. Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For to me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it's safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, Concerning zeal, persecuting the church. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him. Not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, what he's saying there, and a key word, and I wanted to read it in context so you see where I'm headed, that word forgetting, verse 13, the things which are behind and looking forward. So, You look back, and this part of Philippians, I'd say we're looking back to forget. We look backwards and we forget. Let's let's put it in context. What what is it that we're supposed to forget? We'll take a look in uh, verse number 5. 
Paul, well, actually, in verse 3, Paul says, I have no confidence in the flesh. Now, prior to this, Paul was arrogant. Paul was filled with a sense of self-righteousness. Comparing himself to everyone around him, he said, I had a lot going for me. Take a look at what he says in verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day. This is according to Old Testament law. The uh, male children were to be circumcised on the eighth day. And obviously an eight-day-old child has no control over what the parents will or won't do. And so really what he was saying was, I was born into a family with godly parents. My parents made sure that the Old Testament law was fulfilled in our home. And so uh, he said, I have godly parents. I have godly parents. Circumcised the eighth day. The stock of Israel. Chosen people. He said, I was born into the chosen people. Not a proselyte. I didn't come as a convert. I was born a Jew. I was of the stock of Israel. I'm of the chosen people. Godly parents. Chosen people. The tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin is a tribe that uh, was one of the two faithful tribes uh, following uh, the Civil War. They had 12 tribes. There were 10 tribes up north and then two tribes down south. The 10 tribes up north, the Assyrians came across the Fertile Crescent in 722, and they took those 10 tribes, and they never came back. And Paul's saying, I wasn't one of those. I was of... Benjamin and Judah. I was of Benjamin. The two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, I was of Benjamin. Benjamin gave Israel his first king. That's where Saul came from. Also, Benjamin is within the tribal boundaries of when they were assigned by God through Moses and then Joshua reiterated uh, where all the tribes are supposed to go. Benjamin, the tribal boundaries for Benjamin is where Jerusalem was. So Paul's saying, I had a lot going for me. Godly parents. Born a Jew, not a, pros, not a proselyte. From the tribe of Benjamin. Then he said, I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I didn't speak Greek. I wasn't a Hellenist. That's, they, they had the Hellenist Jews. They were Greek culture. They spoke Greek. They kind of acted a little Greek. Their culture. He said, I wasn't that way. I spoke Hebrew. That was my culture. So I was a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He said, I was a protector of the law, a Pharisee. Protected the law. Concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He said, you couldn't pin anything on me. He was so proud of himself. And he said, I should have had that kind of confidence in the flesh. Describes himself. He says, but... It's important to observe that word in verse 7. It's a adversative. It's, it's a contrast. He's saying all the stuff I just talked about that I had going for me. The contrast. But what things were gained to me, these I've counted loss for Christ. Indeed, I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered loss, 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 loss. 
He's saying it, it, it is, he's, it's an accounting term. He said, I was like an accountant. I added it all up and it wasn't a profit. It just wasn't even a wash. It was red ink. It was a loss. All the things I thought that were so great in my life. Loss. And in case you don't get it, Paul said, I'm going to use a really strong word. Loss, loss, loss. And then he says, I count them as, verse 8, rubbish. King James, or straight up King James, 1611, had it a little more accurate. There, the King James has it as dung. That's the word. It means manure. So he said, all right, I'm an accountant. I add it all up and it's red ink. And that's pretty, pretty strong if you're an accountant. <laughs> the rest of us say, well, I don't like red ink, but it's not as profound or as, as powerful as to say everything I thought was great in my life was a pile of manure. A very strong word. I don't know how many times it's been spoken in 24 years from this pulpit. <laughs> manure. That's, that's how strong Paul wanted to make his point. I thought I was so great, is what he was saying. And I found out I was lost. And all the greatness in my life was like manure. And this passage has always resonated within me because I grew up in Minnesota, um, not in a Christian home. The last name Lofquist, Swedish. My first name, Leslie, had another grandpa. His first name was Leslie. I always wish his name had been Steve or Bob. <laughs> Leslie is not an easy name to carry around with you when you're a little guy. Thankfully, I was always the biggest guy in my class, so, you know, I'd slap them around if they, if they said, Leslie. Uh. So, um, anyway, Minnesota, good home, great home, patriotic home. My dad, 8th Air Force, uh, World War II, uh, B-17, 35 missions uh, as a navigator over Germany, 35 missions. A patriotic home. Love America. Um, do well in school. Listen to your teacher, Les. Les, you need to be respectful. I was respectful. Um, I was nice and, and teachers liked me. I got good grades. I was funny in class, but didn't cross the line, you know. I'd say something funny, but then when there was no time, to, I knew when not to push my teacher. And so I'd obey and, and the coaches loved me. I was a captain on my teams. So when, the, when, the, when the, these Christians in my high school, they came to me and they, they started talking to me. I was interested in what they were saying, but they said, the bottom line is, you're a sinner and you need a savior. And I said, are you kidding me? <laughs> Come on. Guy's like Van. He needs a savior. <laughs> me? Me? Ask the teachers. Ask the coaches. Now the kids, they get drunk on Friday nights. They never drank. You get kicked off the team. I didn't smoke. I didn't smoke this way or this way. I, I didn't smoke draw or dope. I didn't smoke cigarettes. I didn't drink. I swore a little. That didn't count, though, uh, in my world. And I told a few lies. But again, that doesn't count, you know. And, and pretty soon you see what I'm saying. All of my righteousness I thought was so great wasn't so great. And now I look back on it and I say, oh. My righteous deeds in my life was like a pile of manure. 
loss, loss, loss. Why? Verse 9. To be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law. You can't earn the righteousness of God. But that was through, through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. And the most important thing now to Paul, he says, is in verse 10, that I may know Him. It's not about me. It's not about looking at me and everyone saying, whoa, what a great, what a great Jewish leader he is. Whoa, look at that kid from Minnesota. He's great. What a great student he is. It was not about any of that. Paul was saying, to be found in Christ. Not my own righteousness, but His. And so, all of that to say, in verse 12, he says, I'm not perfect. I'm not attained. I'm not perfected. But I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. Brethren, I don't count myself to apprehend it or laid hold of what I, what I need to be, but one thing I do, forgetting the things that are behind. You see, in all of our lives, there are things that we don't want people to know about. Failures, sin, Times when we weren't so great. Times when we weren't so strong. Times when we feel like we lacked faith. Faithless. When we're proud and arrogant. The times of our our days before Christ when we were filled with pride in our own achievement and our righteousness. Paul says, you look back and you forget. You look back and forget it. But it's not like you say, it's forget everything. No. You look back and forget that in order so you can look forward. And then he uses a, another powerful word in verses 12 and 14. Take a look. He says in verse 12, I press on. Verse 14, I press toward the goal. And this word press, it's, it's, it's a word that is, is used another time. The same exact word, dioko, is used in verse number 6. Persecuting the church. You see, pressing means you chase something so hard when you catch it, you persecute it. (laughs) So then he uses that in verses 12 and 14 to say, "You, you forget the stuff that you thought was so great about yourself and press towards Christ. Press on to Him. He says that you should say, I press on that I'll lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. I want to be what Christ wants me to be now. I'm going to chase it so hard. It's like in other contexts. If I catch it, I'll, be, I'll just you know, persecute it. It's such a strong word of chasing. I'm going to chase after what I should do. I'm going to press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. By the way, those pressing, that pressing, all those, those, those verbs there in verse 12 and then verse 14, they're continual tense verbs, meaning you do it today. I don't know, the choir probably could see me, none of the rest of you could, but the choir's ministry was so profound to me today. I was just closing my eyes and singing with them and listening to them 
And today was like a special day for me. And uh, yesterday when we arrived, I haven't seen Van. Or I, I was in this church in 2002. Haven't been here since then. I was at C.W. Shipley, actually. I think I stood underneath a basket or, a, you know, where they, they had a kit. They had the dining area. Was it a cafeteria? Yeah. So uh, I was there 2002. And I didn't know everything God did, but I knew things had been happening here. So yesterday when we drove up, I was driving and I was telling my wife all about it, kind of bragging. And then um, I said, when we got here and we turned, I, for the first time I saw, as we turned, I saw the sign, Fellowship Bible Church. And then the church, and I just turned to my wife and I said, see? <laughs> see? See what God's done? It's awesome. It's great. I've known about Matt for several years. And then Van said, oh yeah, you might get to meet Matt White. I said, the Matt White? (laughs) This church? His church? And then he stood up today and he spoke like a master seminary graduate. (laughs) Three points. They were all like almost alliterated. Only thing lacking was a Hebrew verb. Uh, I said, Matt and Amy... And you, and you, and you, and you. 24 years of this ministry. And I just told my wife, see? Isn't this great? It's great. It's great to see what God has done. So what we do is we celebrate and we look to the past. And we say, God, you've done great things, but we're not going to coast. There's a lot more that needs to be done. There's a lot more that needs to be done. Don't. Don't interpret today as a day to say, yeah, wow, it's awesome. I'll just sit back. I won't do anything anymore. You have to step up. So you look back and then you press so hard and you're pressing that you will work in a way that will honor the Lord, but that you'll press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call. Don't. Don't lounge your way into heaven. Press on. Press. Now, we look backwards to forget. And we're just going to look at one one quick verse here. Turn to chapter 1. We also look backwards to have hope. To have hope. Philippians 1, verse 6. Being confident of this very thing, That he who has begun, past tense, a good work in you, will complete it, future tense, until the day of Christ Jesus. God did a work in my life October 2nd, 1972, when I finally was crushed in my pride. And I said, oh Lord, I am a sinner. I do need a Savior. All of the things I thought made me so great and special are nothing. It's a loss. It's a pile of manure. Oh God, I need a Savior. I trusted Christ on October 2nd, 1972, 43 years ago. And so God started to work in my life on that day. He who has begun a good work in you will complete it. I don't know 
I don't know all of you. I don't know how many of you have truly come to Christ as your Savior. You've, you've repented of your sins. You've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You've trusted Christ as your Savior by faith alone, in Christ alone. I don't know how many have done that. I'm hoping all of you. Those of you who have, on that day when you exercise faith and trusted Christ as your Savior, God began a work in your life. And there are some things in your past, maybe where you weren't what you should have been. There are some things in your past that you, God gave you great victories. And you look back and you should forget all that stuff. Just press forward. But look back and remember, God has done a great work in you. And he will be faithful to complete it into the future. And so we look backwards in Philippians 3. We look backwards and forget. And now here in Philippians 1, verse 6, we look backwards and have hope for the future. I came in 2002 to visit you. I think it was this weekend. I think you invited me for a, for a you know, October celebration of your anniversary. And uh, that was one year after 9-11. So those of you who remember 9-11, one year later, and then think how we've changed. If I stood here, or if I stood at C.W. Shipley and said, you know what, you have to stand faithful because one day they're going to redefine marriage and homosexual bishop from a church will perform a marriage for two lesbians. You would look at me and say, please, don't talk like that in our church, around our kids. (laughs) How has our world changed? Things have so radically changed. So we don't look at our present circumstances and see all that's happening and, and become fearful. We look back and we see God did a great work and he'll be faithful to complete it. And so you have to press, press forward. Don't slide home into heaven. Don't lounge on your way to heaven. You have to press, press. And then in conclusion, one last verse. Turn to the very last of Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4. says this. By the way, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi. And Philippi was in northern Greece. Paul was in prison in Rome when he wrote it. And look at how he ends his letter. Chapter 4, verse 21. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brethren who are with me greet you. Who are these brethren with me? Verse 22. All the saints greet you, but especially those who are of Caesar's household. Paul was in Rome when he wrote this letter. And there in Rome... Caesar at the time was Nero. Nero was a vile kind of man. His public um, escort, when he would go out, was a 12-year-old boy. Um, Everyone knew about Nero's lifestyle with children. They knew about his lifestyle and how vile he was in all kinds of ways. Right there under Nero's nose, saints licentious, corrupt, lustful, unspeakable sins in that household. Yet in his palace, 
saints living in holiness in the midst of such sin. And so that's our challenge today in our world where we live. We should live in a godly way, pressing, pressing forward for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. But as we press, we recognize all the people around us in this world, such a sinful place, but we can live as a beautiful flower blooming out of a rotting, decaying tree. We can, we can be that wonderful, beautiful picture in the midst of corruption and decomposition in our culture. So may God help us to look back and forget the successes, but all the failures as well. Forget that and press to the future. So we look back to forget, but we also look backwards, have hope for the future. And what is it that we're to do until we're taken home by the Lord? To live holy and faithful lives of testimony. I'd like to pray for God's blessing on you now as we close this service. Let's pray. Father, today we've been looking back. We, I pray for this church, Fellowship Bible Church, to move ahead. Pray that these words from Paul help them to gain perspective and confidence for the future. And I pray that uh, having crossed the river, they won't forget the bridge that you have uh, built right here in this place. And that you, Lord, will use them into the future for your glory. Bless I pray my friend, Pastor Van, his wife, Janet, their wonderful church people, this wonderful ministry, Lord, continue to bless in every way. We ask your blessings on this fellowship for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.